turn around, just wave to each other, welcome. Some people have been traveling, some people, if it's your first time here, you're welcome. Pray God blesses you. Amen. Praise God. As we look to God on this wonderful evening, God bless you. Amen. Praise God. I pray you've had a blessed week, yes? Amen. Amen. You're not too tired. You feel energetic, vibrant, enthusiastic to journey through the Word of God. Praise God. You know, we were looking last week about building, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. You know, it takes an attitude to build, to put the effort. People often just like to have a desire, a thought, but not put the action to it. But even when you put the action, things happen. There's an effort involved in drawing and developing your spiritual journey, your spiritual life. It's not dependent on other people. Your spiritual life is unique to yourself. You don't, it's not what other people are doing, what you're doing yourself. That's what God sees and that's what God endorses and blesses and commends. Praise the Lord. So today we're going to move on from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3. I want to read a few verses. I want to look at, draw spiritual lessons from this, these passages. So let's go to Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 1. If you can put it on the overhead there, it says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Praise God. Amen. And as we see, the walls of Jerusalem are being built, and so the finer detail is put into place. And now the gates have been restored. And we often say God is a God of restoration. Amen. God restores the years that the locusts have eaten. And it's interesting with this first gate that's identified here. In fact, I think I have the overhead. Do I have an overhead? Just to show you the structure of it, all the different um, gates that are around the walls of Jerusalem. And it's representation, this image is a metaphor, representation of each person that takes a spiritual journey. Amen. So we see on the top, we see the sheep gate, which is the first gate that is identified here. And, and it's fitting, it's only fitting that the high priest constructs and restores this gate, this doorway, this pathway, praise God. And everything that's represented in the high priest. So we see Elishabab, which means God restores. The name means God restores. And God wants to restore ourselves, our relationship with God and then with each other. Because if you don't have the correct relationship with God, you will never have the correct relationship with the people around your life. And the, the, the kingdom of God is about giving, not just about taking and helping build up rather than bring down, praise God, and encouragement uh, continually to grow and develop with the things of God and always preferring other people more than ourselves. That's what it's about. That's what Christ did. The, the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And, and, and it's a giving. The Christ's life is a giving life. It's not a taking life. It's a giving. And the more you give, the more you have left over. The less you give, the less you have left over. That's a biblical principle, a spiritual science. And we see the first gate that we identify here, Nehemiah. The word Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. So not only does he restore, but he also comforts. Amen, praise God. The comforter will come. 
the Lord says, I'll give you the Don Baraklidon, which means the comforter, and he comforts us and encourages us, praise God. So the first gate is the sheep gate. And what's represented in this sheep gate, praise God? In fact, in the Gospel of, of uh, John chapter 10, we speak, speaks about Jesus being the door. I am the door. And the sheep come through that door. And the only way that this gate can be established for us is through a sacrifice, our high priest, which is Jesus Christ. And he speaks about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The way this door is reconstructed and established is through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everything begins with him, praise God, and everything ends with him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So this is the first gate. So here's a shepherd. In fact, the gospel of John chapter 10. Let's just go to, to chapter 10. Let's go to verse, verse, chapter 10, verse 1. Let's just have a little journey through the word of God. He says, most assuredly, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter uh, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And we see that he's saying, look, I am the door. You have to come through me. In fact, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the door we need to enter through. Amen. Amen. So the high priest constructed it for us and made an open way. It's an open door for us to enter by him, praise God, into the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. And so let's just move on to the second gate. As this, each door, actually, each gate, we can have a sermon and a half or more in each gate. I can be speaking for hours on each gate, but just let me give you a little overview of every of every, the gates that are represented here. So, Nehemiah um, chapter 3, verse 3, we read on, uh, it comes to the next gate, which is the fish gate. And see what's represented here. It says here, also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hang its doors with its bolts and bars, verse, verse 4. And next to them, Meromoth, the son of Urujah, the son of Koz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Biruchiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Banan, made repairs. And you see, it's a co-workmanship. It's not an individual work. No man is an island in the kingdom. We're all working together to establish something. But the clue of what this all represents is in the name, the fish gate. Because the Lord calls us, once we come through Christ, he sends us out to be fishers of men. So we need to be fishermen in the world to bring the multitudes into the house of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Which is the spiritual symbolizes evangelism and soul winning. Because once we come to God, we, we acknowledge we have a responsibility. We, we benefit through the love of Christ, through the love of God. So it's, it's, not, it's unjust to not reach out and bring others into that salvation, into the peace and joy of God that surpasses understanding. If we think we've accepted, we received it ourselves, it's not good to hold it to ourselves. We need to help give it out. So it talks about evangelizing, ministering the love of God. Bring them to in through the door of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to be engaged in active witnessing, sharing Christ in the world. And often people reject that. They find they believe it's you know overbearing, fanatical. But that's what it's about. If you have something good, you share it. People don't complain when they speak about football all the time. People don't complain when they speak about boxing all the time. People don't complain when they speak about all their, all their music that they like all the time. But when you speak about something eternal and longevity and everlasting, people get offended. 
You can read all the tabloid, all the nonsense of the world. It's not a problem. No one will be offended by that. But when you start speaking truth that challenges and directs people and, and changes and bring a, being able to bring a change, people start becoming offended by truth that sets us free. Praise God. But then look how many, a host of people, people involved in constructing this gate. Hallelujah. And we need to all work together as fishermen in the world to bring the light of the gospel into people's lives. It says, do your good works before men that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we're pointing to God for our works, our efforts, because we're not saved by works, but we're saved for serving and good works to bring the love of Christ into the world, which is so powerful, so amazing, praise the Lord. And we need to be engaged in active witnessing, sharing our faith. And it shouldn't be a secret. We shouldn't hide it under a bush. We should put it high and, and people to illuminate, people to see that. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Hallelujah. And in our everyday in our life, we need to reflect, are we the best version that Christ wants us to be on? We're, 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 we're developing, we're under construction, but every day, are we the best version at that point of the construction that we can be? We can only examine ourselves. Are we examining what we're saying? Are we examining how we're thinking? Are we examining what we're doing on an everyday, moment-to-moment basis? That can make the difference, not just for us, but for other people in their lives. Praise God. So we need to demonstrate and share God's love and salvation through our witnessing, through our lives. If you're doom and gloom every day, no one was a part of your religion. If you're embittered all the day, no one wants a part of your religion. If you're criticizing every day, no one wants a part of your religion. People want joy, want peace. We have enough of that in the world. The world keeps pointing fingers and accusing us and, and bringing us down. But God wants to bring us up all the time. He wants the best for us. And that's what we need to celebrate. He, the best God has for us. Praise God. The next gate, we move on to chapter 3, verse 6. It says this. Moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Pesiah, and Meshulam, the son of Bosetiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hang its doors with its bolts and bars. Again, another group of people working. I, want to go, I don't want to go for the metaphorical or etymological meaning of every name. Otherwise, we're going to be here all night because I'm going to give a little overview about this. But it will suffice to say that the word Mesanai means thorn or made of brass. And the, and the spiritual significance is change through struggle, through strife, yeah? Because the thorn and the brass means of, 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 of difficulty. And the thing is that sometimes in difficulty, we can change and become a better version of ourselves. Amen, praise God. Which is, which is powerful, which is very, very profound. But the old gate means that we must never neglect the old landmarks. We must never move the old ancient landmarks. So we, we acknowledge that the word of God is always true, is always good, past, present, and future. Praise the Lord. Job chapter 24, verse 2, make this statement. He says this, Some remove landmarks. They seize flock, flocks vitally and feed on them. We must not remove the landmarks of the ancient days, what God gave us from the beginning. 
and what's happening today. People are redefining the scripture, reinterpreting the word of God and taking it out of a context to suit their imagination. So they're not changing to be what the Lord wants. They're trying to shape the word of God to suit them as opposed for them to change to align with God's word. Yeah? So we need to never neglect the ancient landmarks. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 28 makes this very clearly. He says this, Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. So we need to restore the old gate, the old things. What God said before is still relevant today because God is outside of time. What he said 4,000 years ago is as relevant today as it will be in a billion years time because God never changes. He's perfect in all his ways. And we need to take God at his word, praise God. Hallelujah, which is very, very important. Hallelujah, praise God. And so it's, it's, we need to reflect on these. So when we're reading the Bible, we need to say, what is God saying to me? And not change it to suit my imagination. And often we see people changing. They're trying to change the word of God. Hallelujah. And so we move, let's move on to the next number for the fourth gate. Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 14. Which is very, another. they're all significant these gates. Because they're part of a journey. You know when I wrote the book Jacob's Ladder. I used every son, the name of every son of Jacob. As a, as a rung in the ladder to help us grow. Because it begins with Reuben, which means behold a son, and he ends with Benjamin, son of my right hand. So the whole purpose of our journey is to end up at the right hand of God the Father. And each one of those rungs and each one represents something about our journey to be to acknowledge and take serious and consider and meditate and reflect on to get us to that destiny. Because if you change the map, you're going to end up somewhere different than where you want to go or where God intends for you to go. So we mustn't change the ancient landmarks or we're going to end up in the wrong place, off, 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 off the mark. And that's what God, God wants us to stay in those places. Hallelujah. The next gate that we need to consider is the, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse, uh, the, verse 13, actually. Let me go from verse 13. It says, Hanu, uh, Hanu and the inhabitants of Zano repaired the valley gate. They built it, hang its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired a thousand cubits, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuge gate. Praise God! Interesting, the valley gate. Interesting that in the construction, it's not always representing something pleasant and something praiseworthy, because valleys often talk of shadow and talk of difficulty. Hence why David said, Ye though walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. I weep with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we see valleys are not a bad place to, to um, uh, uh, inhabit in some time of our journey because it's with strife and the valley that helps us see clearly of reality. So we're not caught up too much with ourselves. We can look beyond our limitations to see what God has for each one of us, which is very, very important. And we've got to take that journey. You have to take that journey personally yourself. I cannot take it for you. You have to take it yourself, praise God. Amen. I pray this, this message is speaking to getting you to reflect where you are. Because you might not even pass through the first gate, perhaps, or people watching live stream might have not ventured beyond the first gate. But we need to get to the first gate to make sense of every other gate. Because if we see the different gates through the eyes of the natural mind, we'll misunderstand what it's really all about. As if God wants to record construction, you know, in, in uh, 
uh, in the Old Testament for us, just names, putting them just randomly out there. There's a meaning behind everything that God does. Every jot and every tittle, every yod and gireh, everything is important. With Even every full stop, every punctuation, every question mark it has an importance within the word of God. That we need to reflect, step back and say, what are you saying to me, Lord? What does this mean for you? Forget the people around you. It's about you. This message is individually for every person listening to it to see where you are in your spiritual journey. Hallelujah. Are you fortified by the wall of God? Hallelujah. Has God, is God comforting you at this time of your lives? Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you're in that valley place, it's not a place of despair. It's a place of refreshment. It's a place of opportunity to move forward in that. And I often say, you know, we're there to make the difference for the valley dwellers at the same time. Praise God. So we come to the valley gate, which is very, very important. So I wonder what that says for you today. Have you been in your valley today? Have you been, have you been struggling? Have you got questions unanswered questions? Because the name Zanoi, the name, the name Hanun means gracious. God is gracious in the place of your valley, in the place of your difficulty. And it's at that place where God actually hears our voice more clearly than, than any time, really, because that's when we hear our voice and we know where we are and what we need. And we need him more and more. I need him more today than I ever needed him, praise God, in that place of the valley. God's grace is evident even in life's valleys and low points. So when you get to your low point, God's presence and grace will be there. My grace, God says to Paul, is sufficient. You know, in your struggle, in your affliction, in your adversity, my grace is, more, is, is sufficient for you. I might not take you out of the problem, but I'm going to give you grace in that situation, in that problem, which is powerful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Graciousness. The next gate, let's go to verse, uh, gate number five, and that is in Nehemiah chapter 14. Machija, the son of uh, Re, uh, Rechab, leader of the district of Beth, Hakerem, repaired the refuge gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. The word Machija means my king is Yahweh. Rachab means charioteer, and the spiritual significance is, represents divine rulership, that God is holding the reins of our lives. Praise God. My king is Yahweh. Who is your Lord of lords and king of kings today? And that's what the Lord wants to bring us to that place where we will confess him. He is my Lord of lords and king of kings. He's everything in my life that I need. More of him and less of me. And that's the thing is that often it's more of us and less of him. But it should be more of him and less of us, praise God. Hallelujah. And what does this refuge, what does this uh, gate represent? Refuge. All the rubbish in our life has to go. All the baggage has to go. All the nonsense has to go. Not just, not just material, but the mind, the thoughts. All thoughts that are not edifying, have to go. Everything Paul says, everything, even his material things, says everything I have is like rubbish to what I've received in Christ. So our thoughts that come to sideswipe us, to 
blind vision to give us to to dazzle us to to block our vision has to have to go we need to move onwards and upwards with the things of god hallelujah it's powerful are you is the lord speaking to your spirit today is the lord speaking to you today in a clear clear way amen praise god let's go to the next uh the next gate Actually, did I miss it? No, chapter 3, verse 14, let me just go again. Refuge, actually, the word in this, it could be translated also, the dung gate. Okay, it speaks about rubbish. But sometimes the, the rubbish can help us grow in the same way as the man who had the fig tree in his vineyard and it didn't produce any fruit. And he says, dig around it and put manure in its place. And through that rubbish, it will help it grow. And sometimes God allows rubbish in our lives to help us grow. Because he sees in those times how we react, respond to the rubbish that will determine if we're growing or not. If we, if we become part of the problem or look to the solution. And oftentimes we always lean to the problem humanity always leads to the problem whereas the spirituality leads to the solution and sees beyond that and it becomes empowered it uses that fuel to rise above adversity i wish i'm speaking to someone today praise god amen so i pray that we we are taking life's lessons from this word of god let's go to the six the six as i said i'm giving you just synopsis a little overview of of the whole of the, all these gates, praise God. The six, let's go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 15. Shulan, the son of Kol Hazer, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors and its bolts and bars and repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah, the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of, of, of David, praise God. And what does this fountain gate represent? Spiritually, it represents the flowing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, it's, it's to your advantage that I, I, I depart, because then I can release, I can give you the comforter, I can allow the comforter, send the comforter from my Father to come to him, will comfort you. And that fountain, that flow, continue refreshing water, the Holy Spirit in us, refreshes us, transforms us, empowers us, gives us insight, gives us revelation. If we want revelation, it's through the, the, the lens of the Holy Spirit that we can have revelation. That's why Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the fountain comes, and just paraphrase in verse 13, however, when the fountain comes, the spirit of truth, he will, he come, he, as he comes, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he is, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Praise God. And that's why it's so paramount important that we have this connection with the Holy Spirit. And we come, we connected in that way. But it's a process. It's not just sometimes overnight these things happen. It's a process of time. Otherwise, if we were the finished article overnight... We, we, the Lord might as well take us in glory. This is where we transform, go from glory to glory to become all that he wants us to be. Praise the Lord, the fountain gate. Amen. Next door, let's go to the water gate. Again, continuation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 26. 
Moreover, Nethinim, who dwelt in Ophel, made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east and the, and the projecting tower. Again, the water gate. Water speaks about cleansing. Water speaks about baptism. We had three baptisms, baptisms last week. We have in one this Sunday, a gentleman by the name of Wisdom. He's wise to come to the waters. He's been baptized this Sunday. And God is going to do amazing, amazing things in and through his life. Praise God. And we see the Lord encourages us to come into that connection with the Holy Spirit and the water of God, which refreshes and quenches us, as he, as he shared with the Samaritan woman. He said, if you take the water I give you, you will never thirst again. The reason we're, 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 the reason we're, we're not satisfied continually, because the world cannot satisfy us. But when Christ comes... With, with the gifts and the splendor and his presence, he changes everything, praise God. In fact, in John chapter 7, verse 37, this is what we're told here. It says here, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's, that invitation is still extended today. If you're thirsting, where you come, come to him? He's more than able to quench our thirst. In, on every level, in every way, praise God. Then he says in verse 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And verse 39, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And if we see how the, the scripture, the New Testament, interprets what Jesus is saying in a spiritual level, speaks about that water as the Holy Spirit, that principle is applied to other portions of Scripture right back through the Old Testament. And that's why it says earlier on, the ancient landmarks, the old gates, meaning don't remove the ancient landmarks. Because the way the Scripture is interpreted by, by, by Christ himself and by the apostles is the same way we interpret it today. We don't change it to suit the 21st century mentality. We change it according to God's revelation and God's direction. And God's insight. But the only way to get God's insight is to be in the spirit, in the water of the spirit of God, which changes everything in power. Praise God. Amen. Let's go to the eighth, as time permits. Let, let me put the map back on so you can see the pattern, how it goes around. Amen. So we see if we can highlight. Can, can Stavra just point the highlighter? We've gone through the first gate, second gate. So we go to the first gate, sheep gate. Christ. It begins with Jesus Christ. It says the high priest. It's not accidental. It's not just, just randomly put there. It's not just guessed. There's a reason why it begins with the ship gate, sheep gate. And it see, it's, it's, there's a significance why it's the high priest who takes that responsibility with the priest to restore the sheep gate for the sheep to enter through that gate. Amen. And you all as representative of co-workers with, with the high priest, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's sending us out to be fishers of men. So we come to the second one, which speaks of the fish gate. And it's through that we are going out now and bringing through that, evangelizing, bearing witness of the truth that sets people free and bring them into the confound and the protection and the fold of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see how the... How the it's, it's, it, is 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 closed in. There's a closure. 
You come into that protection. And Psalm 91 conveys this in this way. Let me just go to Psalm 91 verse 1, what it says here. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this. He who dwells in the secret place of the most, I shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. So the secret place is coming into that relationship with God within the confounds of the walls that surround us that represent the protection and fortification of God. Hallelujah. She abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 says this. Uh, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And it's that. And my fortress is coming into that connection, into that central, centralizing ourselves, putting ourselves in Christ. Amen. My God in, who, in him I will trust. And we're trusting him. That's why we don't neglect the ancient landmarks. And, we, and the, the, the old gate has to be established. We need to connect with God. Let me just go back to the map very quickly. And perhaps a homework for you this week is to go back and get that map, Google it, or ask with our staff will, 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 will send it over to you. And look what it says, and see what it's saying about your journey, where you are, praise God, hallelujah. It's all around, because you see the temple is centered at the, at the top part, okay? If you look at the temple there, it's centered, that's where it's centralized. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we, we, everything is working around us, to protect us and to make us be all that God wants us to be, yeah? Every gate leads to that temple, yeah? And so the old, then we have the old gate, the ancient landmarks. Then we have the valley, which is the lower part. And those valleys are there to help us become transformed, challenge us, because we all need to be challenged in different ways, challenged to be transformed to the image that God wants us to be. Then the dung gate, as we go around, the dung gate, the very low part, the Dungate, which speaks about repentance, which speaks about a cleansing and transformation and getting rid of the old baggage, the refuge, the rubbish in our lives. And we carry a lot of rubbish where? Not physically, metaphorically, in our minds, in our spirits, in our souls. We carry hurt pains, past things that we haven't sometimes shed and let go of. And God's saying, this is your opportunity to let them go. Hallelujah. And you see how far away that is from the temple. From the place we need to be, sometimes these things draw, bring us away from where we should be. So we need to let go of things to move forward. Then the way to get forward is the fountain, because after the dung is the fountain and the water gate, meaning that where you're coming, you're going on a journey of cleansing and transformation. I wish you can see this journey. So it's all, it all fits nicely around. That we go through a passage, we come to the realization how far we are from God or, or the challenges we have in life, and then we, ha we start the journey back, which is the cleansing, transformation, and cleansing process that we're going through to become what God wants us to be. Because we're not the finished article, but we need to be the best every day we can be of what God has called us into his kingdom for. Then we have the water gate. Then we go up to the next gate, which is the horse gate, which is an interesting gate, this one is, because the horse speaks of power. Amen? And God wants us to be empowered, that all these experiences we have in him are empowering us. You know when this car, you speak about horsepower, yeah, on the engine, what's the horsepower? And it speaks about power. So all these things are empowering us. And so when we become weak, that's when we are strong. Hallelujah. Let the weak say they are strong. Let the poor say they are rich. Hallelujah. So it's, it's changing the, the law of contradiction. When we've come to the lowest part of ourselves, we've come to the dung gate, that's the time we can rise. We come, we've hit rock bottom. Now at that place, God will empower us to be able to go 
transcend and rise above our imagination, what we can think in ourselves, praise God. Hallelujah. And then we have the next gate is the east gate. And the east, the sun rises from the east, sets in the west. And it speaks about we come to a place where we're experiencing the sunrise, uh, uh, the sun of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. It continually blesses us in those places, amen, where, where we have our challenges. He, he, he transforms and we have experience of, of Christ's illuminated power of, his, of the sun of righteousness that brings healing into our lives. Hallelujah. The next gate, inspection gate. And that's the time what I want to finish on this evening about reflection. We call meditation, but not in a, in a kind of uh, uh, Eastern kind of spirituality. It's a meditation, reflection in the, with the Word of God. And that's why Philippians chapter six, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. We quickly go there, please. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious. This is the inspection. This is reflection process. Be anxious for nothing. And I, and I believe this is going out to everyone here and everyone watching live stream. There are things that cause us anxiety. And the Lord said, don't be preoccupied with those things that bring anxiety. Sever them with the sword of the Spirit of God. Whatever it might be that comes to distract you, just sever it. Be anxious for nothing. Meaning that's, that, that includes everything. Yeah? But in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the inspection gate is where you come here. You're reflecting. You're meditating on the things of God. Amen. Then verse 7 says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. You see, you've gone around the circle. And sometimes life has that tendency to do this. Have you ever got up really feeling high? By the end of the day, you're feeling you're coming low. Someone said something upset you, whatever in your life, or you've had an encounter with something or an experience or something outside, and you feel, but then you rise above it because you know Christ. It's not about the situation. It's about who's with you. And when Christ's with you, he can bring you back up again. Praise God. You see how it goes? Let me put the map back again. We're going to come back to 4, 7 and 6. Put the map back again. You see how the cycle is? You see the sheep gate. You're going all the way round. And this could represent a cycle of a day in your life. Yeah? You can start the day. You can have all these experiences in one day. You go up and coming down. And then all of a sudden, there's a big lift. There's a high coming afterwards. Because be, uh, after every low in God, there's a high. Because what goes, what goes down must come up in God. The world says what, comes, what goes up must come down. When God says what goes down must come up. And the, the mechanism of the world is to bring you down. But when God steps in, you'll propel yourself back up. The righteous man falls seven times, but he, they rise, he rises again, yes? And that's the nature of the, of the scripture. When you, when you bring Christ to mind, it doesn't matter what you've been through. He's able to transform, to refresh, to bring healing, to bring blessing, to bring encouragement. To give you confidence, give you boldness, and that there are dips in our walk sometimes. But when Christ is in the center, He's more than able to bring you up. Praise God, and that's the power of the Word of God. So you see how the cycle is. You start from all this. You, you, you're witnessing to others. You're moving down. You have an encounter. You have a, 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 a some kind of a, of of, of a curved ball, if you like, in life. And all of a sudden. You start, when you come to the fountain, you come to the water, it starts bringing you back up. The Holy Spirit starts to bring you back up. These are images I would want to put into your mind. So whatever you are spiritual in your life today, I'm telling you, you're coming up from that. 
And if you're up there, encourage someone else to be up as well, praise God. Hallelujah. And you're coming up in space. Let me go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, before we finish very quickly. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I mean, you won't be able to understand that you feel it and experience it. God is saying to you, don't understand my peace. Just receive it. Don't, don't try and get, don't try and define it. Just receive it. It's a feeling. It's an experience you have with God. You cannot explain it. Oftentimes, your, your encounter with God in your personal prayer closet, you cannot define it or explain it. You're just feeling it. It's a natural high. Hallelujah. Praise God. Will guard your hearts and minds for Jesus, for Christ Jesus. So there's a protection connected to the peace of God. There's a God. God will guard you. He'll be your shield and your buckler. He protects you, praise God, in that, in that, in that encounter with him. Verse 8, watch this. We haven't finished yet. Verse 8. Finally, he says this, brethren. And this is the reflection which say, uh, let me go back to the map again, back the, 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 the struck construction. Inspection, yeah? This is when you're, inspe- you're, you're reflecting now. Let me go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, this way you're examining, uh, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lo- lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We drift, our minds drift sometimes to things that are negative. And, 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 and try to bring us down. But then you just need to resist that and focus on what's praiseworthy, what's virtuous. Amen. Praise God. And verse 9, very quickly. The, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. Amen. Praise God. Who wants the peace of God? Well, what does he say here? To have that outcome, he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, were in the word of God really, what we're speaking about now, these do. See, we've got to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, and the God of peace will be with you. And how much more we want the peace of God to really be in our lives, which is very, very important. Hallelujah, praise God. So I want to just give you uh, some, some homework for you to do. Amen. To think about yourself's reflection. Go back home. Get, the, get Nehemiah chapter 3 as a whole chapter and read through it. There's a lot of names that you need to navigate through, tongue twisters. They're easier to actually to read in the Hebrew and the Greek than they are to read in English. Because sometimes you try and anglicize this Hebrew or the Greek and, and we miss the whole point sometimes. Phonetically, it doesn't always work out. Because when I'm reading the Greek names or the Hebrew names, it's easy the tongue gets wrong because they're, they're constructed in a particular way with the language. But when you try and anglicize, anglicize them, they're quite they're tongue twisters. It's not natural, in a sense, to pronounce them. But anyway, nonetheless, it serves a purpose. So read over them and then make your notes. Sit, be studious about it. Make your notes and see where you are, what's going on in your life. Reflect, meditate on that. And say, Lord, what's, what's the challenge in my life today? And, what's, and God will give you the way forward, give you the direction how to move forward through that passage. Because then there's metaphors there and there's spiritual implications and significance to what's happening there. And then you start applying it to your life. You say, you know, when you thought you had a problem, I don't have a problem. I don't have a challenge. I have an opportunity, but I don't have a challenge because that opportunity is helping. This has actually highlighted something in my life that I need to deal with. 
You, you cannot improve unless you acknowledge there's, there's room for improvement, you know? And so it's, it's, in the, it's in the doing that you learn how good you are at something or, or how limited you are and you put more effort in that particular area, praise God. Amen? Because we all can improve on a daily and moment-to-moment basis, praise God. Hallelujah. So let's come through those doors. Let's allow those doors to be reality for us. Let's centralize ourselves in God's presence. And you see the difference it will make in your life this coming week. And be prepared for your message on Sunday because this is, this is laying the foundation for Sunday's message, which is empowerment, transformation, blessing. Because ultimately, God wants to bless God rather bless you than correct you. God rather bless you than rebuke you. God rather blesses you. God wants to bless. He's a blesser, but he's a giver by nature. Amen. So let's not put the obstacles and make God do the opposite that he wants to do for us. Let's stand together. Praise God.